Party News Talk 1110 WBT. WBT. The Pete Callender Show. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And actually in studio with me is our very own Mark Garrison, host of Charlotte at 6, newsman extraordinaire. Did you hear somebody Somebody said you are this generation's Charles Kuralt at WBT? Did you hear that at the 100th? Somebody said that. I yeah. was like, oh, and it wasn't you. So. No, right? no, no, it wasn't you or anybody related <laughs> to you, I don't think, or paid by you to say it. It was a genuine compliment. You're, you're, you've always been an excellent news guy. So... Uh, glad to have you on. Thank you. And uh, so I, we originally were going to chat about the Black Political Caucus endorsements, which were interesting, shall we say. <laughs> to say the least. And yeah. we still will talk about that. But uh, just before I, I'm sitting here in the studio and I hear the newscast at the, what, 1130, and we got some breaking news with CMS. Brett Jensen reporting this morning that uh, the superintendent, Ernest Winston, is going to be fired Mm -hmm. or already has been fired well he's uh uh, according to uh what brett has been told uh he's been uh uh, ernest winston has been told pack your bags and quit and we'll negotiate something or if you we make us fire you then uh you'll walk away with a big severance package but uh you know we might air some dirty laundry so uh, the contract that the superintendent has pays him something like 280 a year right 280 something a year mm-hmm. and so if he he's got two years left on the contract and right. now we're talking like i mean 288 a year two-year contract that's like that's like mark garrison right that's <laughs> yeah yeah uh no so the so you've got uh the, you got the contract that they'd have to pay out if they fire him that's my understanding be in the with, neighborhood but with cause, of- but if they have cause, they can fire him and not pay. That's him. right. That's right. So there's a lot of wiggle room in all of this. What they would love would be to negotiate this, I guess, sort of quietly. He could walk away with some money and resign, and then he could go get another job. If they end up firing him, uh, I think, let's see, and if it's not for cause, but they fire him for convenience, which means the board's just had enough of him. He could get five hundred seventy-six thousand dollars, and then that's like Pete Callender money. Man. Yeah, yeah. So you've got so <laughs> three different options sound like they're on the table, but Winston has refused up to this point, obviously, to to walk. Although you told me something I was not aware of uh, uh, before we got on the air that he'd already resigned. Yeah, apparently uh, Brett found out a few weeks ago that he handed in his notice, thinking that if he resigned, he could get that five hundred seventy-six thousand. And he was told, no, if you quit, you're not necessarily getting anything. So he rescinded the resignation. So obviously this has been going on for a while. He knows that the board wants him to go. Now it's just a matter of working out, I guess, for him, how you can take the most money to the bank. Yeah. Well, I mean, this being the entry-level gig that he landed, I can only imagine what's next for him. Um, (laughs) But, uh, no, and on the um, the – rescinding of a resignation i don't even understand why wouldn't you have just accepted it if they exactly were wor- yeah if, I, they, if they've been working to get him out why did they extend his contract as well so this is all sort of a new development within the last what year yeah i mean he did get an extension last year i mean this this thing has been a mess since day one uh, you know you need to remember that winston who was a former reporter for the charlotte observer that's all that's the only experience i ever had with him oh he was so unqualified for the job 
so unqualified that CMS had to get special permission from the state back in 2019 to hire him because he didn't meet any of the qualifications. But they said, we want him. So the state said, okay. And I mean, it was widely speculated at the time the board wanted to do this because they thought they could control him. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't worked out. Or maybe it has. <laughs> and the board is actually just that well, terrible. Maybe, yeah, you have a, you have a point. Right. There. Fair so, point there. Uh, and, and I have no sight line on any of this stuff. So I just see what I, or hear what I'm hearing. I see what I see. And I just have questions like, uh, why, why, uh, would you name this guy if you're trying to control him? Uh, does that mean that the board is like devious or something that they've got some plans that they don't want the management? Because usually boards, especially school boards, are really, really reliant on staff. Mm-hmm. But you remember, this board has gone through what? How, how many superintendents in the last five or six years? Three mm-hmm. or four, and it's all every parting has been ugly. Uh, so they don't have a good track record hiring guys for this job. Um, and, and, you know, if you, if you say, well, what has Winston done wrong? Well, there's the whole guns in schools thing. We had 25 schools, bef- uh, guns in schools before Christmas, and he never said a word about it until he was really pushed and pushed and pushed. And then finally, months after the first guns were found, he said something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had more guns than the Atlanta schools, and it means ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, COVID lost track of thousands of kids who never logged on one day. And he had precious little to say about that. So there's just there's just been this building tension. And then, of course, tension with the county commission. George Dunlap, the chair of the commission, <laughs> said a long time ago, this guy's incompetent. I mean, he just came out and said it, that he was incompetent. So so uh, we are we're, we are embarking on budget season. Mm-hmm. So this uh, and I always call it the dance between the schools and the county where the schools come in and say, you know, yeah. we want. A trillion dollars. And then the county says, well, we can't afford that. And then like, well, you hate children. And then they negotiate and they arrive at a number and they were all singing Kumbaya. That's it. And so we're now entering that season. Is this the I mean, the school board knows what the county commissioners think of Winston. Does that does that make it harder for them to get their ask from the county if he's still in charge? You know, that's a good question. We've sort of been told that they did want to get rid of him before full-blown budget season, although we're in the budget season. But I would think that uh, the school board knows that if they get rid of Ernest Winston, they will make some county commissioners happy. George Dunlap, Pat Cotham, and some others who have not been shy about speaking out on his competence level. I remember hearing, and maybe uh, this is incorrect, but I remember hearing that nobody applied for the CMS superintendent job, that nobody else wanted it. Is that accurate? As far as I know, it is accurate because this board is such a hot mess to work for. And because they'd been through so many guys that had seemed to have stellar credentials and all of a sudden they get run out of town on a rail uh, in some degree of controversy. And so um, I... I suspect somebody who wants the job of being a superintendent in a big city system or a big city county system would think twice before coming here. Um, Mark Garrison from the WBT newsroom. He's also the host of uh, Charlotte at six. And, uh, you know, you're going to want to stay tuned. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Mark Garrison, the host of Charlotte at Six, newsman in uh, the WBT newsroom, joins me uh, uh, still. 
We were talking earlier about CMS, and I'll talk with Brett Jensen after the 1230 newscast uh, about more about that. Um, But I originally wanted to have you on to talk about this segment you did after the Black Political Caucus made its endorsements for local elected officials. Yeah. And, well, I've got the segment. Okay. I'm going to play it so people can hear it because it was a good segment. So, uh, but I'm curious... The people that they endorsed, Braxton Winston, Lawana Mayfield, James Smudgy Mitchell, and Patrick Cannon, the former city councilman and mayor, convicted of taking bribes, went to prison, Yep, and now is running for election in order to try and test us to see if we forgive him for his corruption. (laughs) And the Black Political Caucus endorsed him. Yeah. Why? Well, as you will hear in this piece, the the, the issue to them was, uh, well, he's good on issues we care about, like education and housing and transit, uh, so we're not too worried about the other stuff. The corruption. <laughs> the corruption, yeah. The, the taking of the bribes. That's right. That, that didn't seem to phase them. They said uh, when we had him in, a couple of people asked questions about ethics, but we didn't really get into that. And we don't know their process, right, no. for how they make these endorsements. That's right. They keep that highly secret. They won't even tell you what the vote was. If there was controversy and dissension, they they won't say. Yeah. All right. Well, with that lead-in, here was the segment that this was uh, on uh, Charlotte at 6 on Thursday? I think so, yeah. Okay. Thursday, yeah. The caucus purpose is to put forth candidates that, you know, we believe will support the interests of black voters and black issues. That's Stephanie Sneed. She is the chair of the Black Political Caucus, and I asked her about their choices for city council. For starters, they endorsed former mayor Patrick Cannon. You'll remember he was caught taking bribes as the mayor on undercover video, briefcases full of cash that he took to supposedly influence zoning decisions. Cannon did prison time, and even now he waffles on whether what he did was wrong, telling me recently. I know that it was something that I wasn't doing on purpose or uh, intentionally to try to get away with. But that's not exactly true. On the undercover video, Cannon knew he was breaking the law because he told people giving him cash he did not want to go to prison because he did not look good in an orange prison suit. I look good in an orange necktie, but not an orange suit. (laughs) So I asked Stephanie Sneed about the Black Caucus endorsing Patrick Cannon. He was viewed just as any other candidate. He went through the same process as any other candidate. Um, He participated in our forums. Sneed said some members of the caucus did ask Cannon about ethics, but she would not say how many members actually voted for or against him. Do you think it hurts the, the caucus's credibility with an endorsement like this or no? No, I would not say that. I, you know, I stand behind um, the caucus. The caucus purpose is to put forth candidates that you know, we believe will support the interests of black voters. Now, besides endorsing the disgraced former mayor for a return to city council, the Black Political Caucus also endorsed former councilwoman Lawana Mayfield, who was voted out three years ago after she called police 
terrorists. Charlotte City Councilwoman Lawana Mayfield's tweet, which says being black in America under number 45 has created homegrown terrorists wearing blue uniforms. Now that tweet infuriated police. Charlotte's chief at the time, Kerr Putney, who is black, held a press conference and I asked him about Mayfield's remarks. Chief, here we are in police week and Luana Mayfield, city council member, calling police officers terrorists in blue uniforms. Your reaction? Well, my mom's watching. So here's what I'll say. It's highly disappointing that I would be responding to what you just said about an inflammatory comment in police week. Shouldn't have to waste my time talking about something like that. With every statement you make, you're responsible for and people should hold you responsible for them. And then to be put in a category like that, uh, yeah, it's hard to uh, stomach. But Lawana Mayfield refused to back down on calling cops terrorists. That takes offense to me being upset. If you take offense to my comments, but not to the actions that are happening, you really need to reevaluate. But not even Democrat Governor Roy Cooper could support Mayfield's comments. He withdrew her name to be part of a state human rights group. But there's more. Luana Mayfield has also questioned the 9-11 attacks and whether planes really hit the buildings. So, given all that baggage, I asked Stephanie Sneed if the Black Political Caucus was concerned about Luana Mayfield's views when they endorsed her for another term on city council. Again, we are all aware, just like the general public is all aware, of these candidates' statements and positions and, and, and criminal records. The members are, are aware of that. And again, the decision is based on who we think that will be best representative to issues that we are focusing on. Now, the other controversial endorsement from the Black Political Caucus is for Councilman Braxton Winston. He says Charlotte police are racists. Those that are veterans to this work will also recognize that policing in America and in Charlotte is a carefully curated system embedded in racism, classism, sexism, homophobia. Now, Winston led the charge to try defunding CMPD. He was successful in cutting off money for tear gas for the department. But the Black Political Caucus is unapologetic, endorsing Braxton Winston and Luana Mayfield, who see cops as terrorists and racists, and they endorse Patrick Cannon, who took cash bribes when he was the mayor and still says he wasn't trying to do anything wrong. The caucus says none of that matters as long as the candidates have the right position on black issues. So in other words, whether it's Pat Cannon who's been in prison or Lawana Mayfield who maybe has had some wacky conspiracy theories and called cops terrorists, they best represent the agenda of the caucus. Yes, an agenda and of the agenda that we believe as representatives of issues that are important to black voters. So, you know, I personally stand behind the caucus's decision. Decision. All right. So that's the uh, report. Mark Garrison, host of Charlotte at Six. All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Joining me now is Brett Jensen, WBT News' uh, uh, reporter and uh, the one who broke this story, I guess, early this morning, that uh, the superintendent of Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools, uh, he is going to be gone within, what, 24 to 48 hours. Uh, and uh, as you explained in your report, Brett, there's there is only, like, 
really two ways this is going to go. There is a third option, right? But you don't th- you don't think that the third way is likely. Yeah, you know, basically, I can tell you that there's there's three ways. You're exactly right, Pete. There's three ways. Ernest Winston can resign, and if he resigns, then you know he he can negotiate his severance, which is five hundred and seventy six thousand dollars paid over monthly for twenty four months. And so they can say, look, I'll resign if you pay $300,000 because, you know, technically if you resign, you're not, you're not entitled to any cash. Right. But if they, they don't, you know, CMS, that's what CMS wants because they don't want to pay $576,000 for obvious reasons. But if Ernest has, if he decides not to resign, well then if they, if the CMS fires him for what's called for convenience, just basically because it, it's convenient for CMS to get rid of him, then yes, he will get the 576, but then his personnel file and reviews all become public and he may not want that. So it may be in his best interest to actually resign. And then the third option, like you mentioned, which is almost not going to happen is for cause where you do something so egregious, they can fire you for cause and you get nothing. And that is like almost not going to happen at all because I, right now I don't think they think they have reason to fire him for cause, but they, they do want to get rid of Ernest because next month is when they have to, the CMS school board has to make its presentation in front of the County on the school budget. So and I, last year, the school budget, that whole thing was a fiasco that we you know wound up going to mediation and threatening to courts and trials, and they don't again this year. Right. And so, and I discussed a little bit about this with uh, Mark Garrison that we are now ramping up budget season, and we know that the county commissioners, uh, several of them, have spoken, uh, you know, pretty sharply against Ernest Winston. And so, is it possible then that? Uh, this is seen as a way to kind of get the most out of the county commission on their budget ask. Well, yes and no, but because if last year when this happened and there was this big standoff and, you know, mediation and everything else, the county commissioners wound up having to pay more than CMS (laughs) initially asked for. And so because the way the law is written in North Carolina, it was going to be, way in the favor of the school board. And so instead of this going to court, they just agreed to go ahead and pay the budget. And then, oh, just for good measure, let's add another $17 million to the budget. (laughs) So so that's what happened last year. So look, they knew they would be in for another fight, but as the way the North Carolina law is written, it's all in the favor of CMS school board. Right. So, and I'm, all right, so there was also this component here. I was reading uh, another story about Latarja Henry. Um, yes. And I knew Latarja when she was in the comms department, uh, you know, doing or public information for CMS. I was not aware that she had risen to the role of chief of staff for Ernest Winston. And honestly, she was probably more qualified than he uh, to be superintendent. And so maybe that made some bit of sense. Is she still working at CMS? Because... They tried, right? It wasn't one of the uh, components here. They tried to force him to fire her as well. So back in December, uh, I was able to first report that Latarja Henry was out as chief of staff because Latarja Henry and Ernest Winston are very, very close. And so when Ernest got the job, he immediately made her chief of staff. And then she got $186,000 salary, annual salary. So on top of that, so they went to Ernest in December and said, 
Here's the choice. Get rid of Latarge as your chief of staff because a lot of these failed policies and having Ibram X. Kendi speak to the staff and all that was her doing. Mm. And they said, fire her or you're both fired. And the way CMS does things, they when they remove you, they just put you in a different department, but you maintain the same salary. The principal at Myers Park, Bosco, was removed, and he was just given some made-up job that no one knows what he does and still kept his $150,000 a year salary. The principal at Audrey Kell was removed for um, you know, possible racial tensions or, you know, violations or whatever, like slander. And he was moved to be in charge of the PP, uh, PPE distribution, mm-hmm. still making his $150,000 a year where he just sits in a warehouse and counts masks and hands them out. And he's making 150 K. Yeah. So CMS, they move people around, but they don't demote your salary. So they moved her to a different department. She's no longer the chief of staff. As a matter of fact, last I believe it was last week or a week and a half ago, they just announced the new chief of staff for CMS. And then, of course, the new chief of staff is coming in <laughs> one week later. Ernest Winston's gone. So, so yeah. it's funny. What you just described was outlined. I remember seeing it, it referred to as the lemon dance in a movie called Waiting for Superman about education reform. It was like 15 years ago came out. And... Well, what they do is they it's the same process you just described, except it's multiple school districts where they take their bad, their lemons, their bad teachers, and they just shift them and and they give them to a different school. But that school gives their lemons to another school and it just kind of goes around. They call it the lemon dance. Now, so along those lines, is it possible that the board could just transfer Ernest Winston over to like the textbook department or something and then... Like, they can keep him on staff, keep paying him, but he's not superintendent anymore. Is that even a possibility? No, it's not a possibility because oh. his salary is over 280000 close to $200,000 <laughs> a year. And the way they do things, like Latarja's Henry, Latarja Henry's, yeah. I would be extremely surprised if her contract's renewed at the end of June. Her contract expires in June, right. and I'd be stunned if she's renewed. And it's the same thing with Ernest. When you've been like, you know, the president or CEO or superintendent, they're not going to put you in another department um, where yeah. you've been demoted, making the same money. And so he's, he's, he's gone. And plus, he won't want to be there. I mean, he's been there for, you know, I don't know, like 18 years, I think it is. But he won't want to be there anymore. And he's going to take whatever severance he can get, be it 300 or 576000 and move on to his next venture, which I'm sure will be a very highly paid venture. Well, yeah. I mean, this, as I said uh, earlier with Garrison, if this was his, uh, this was his first gig, my goodness, like the sky's the limit. He could be president next year. Um, no. So, and one last question: Why would they have? Why would the school board have renewed his contract? I'm curious on the timeline because they renew his contract, and within a year now it's soured this badly. I don't understand. Uh, were there certain benchmarks that that did not get hit? Were there certain scandals? Why the change of heart from simply one year ago when they renewed his contract? So I was told about that. It's funny you asked that question. I was told the answer to that question this morning by three different people. And I, because I asked the same question, because I mean, everyone, it wasn't a secret that no one was happy with Ernest because he didn't have the experience or he had no business getting that job. None. And everyone knows it. And the North Carolina State Education Board had to have a special vote to allow him to be superintendent because he met none of the qualifications. But um, the reason is, is because it was in the middle of the pandemic. And if you remember last year, January, 
it was just like that's when things were really really like the tr one and only true time things really spiked and hit hospitals hard in mecklenburg county and so that's you know it was right in the middle of all that where kids were sent home and it was just complete chaos with the schools and they didn't want even further chaos by having to bring in a new superintendent or interim or acting or whatever and so they kept him on purely because of COVID. Had COVID never happened, his contract would not have been renewed. I was told that multiple times this morning. Wow. Brett Jensen from WBT News, thanks so much for your time and your insight, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Pete. All right, take care. I mean, is there anything COVID can't do? For real, COVID, apparently, according to Brett Jensen from WBT News, COVID was the reason why Ernest Winston's going to get paid like somewhere close to half a million extra dollars. I swear, COVID, it is, it is so smart. It's the smartest disease we've ever encountered. It does all sorts of stuff. It doesn't, for example, it, it knows if you uh, are sitting or standing. If you are sitting in a restaurant, you're fine. If you're standing, COVID knows, right? If you're at a church service, singing inside, COVID knows. It'll smite you for that. But if you go outside and scream and yell and get pepper sprayed and then cough along on each other, COVID knows righteous cause, totally fine. You can burn stuff down too. COVID won't hit you. This is like the, the smartest virus ever. And now, apparently, it's the reason why, as Brett Jensen mentioned, that three different school board members said they didn't fire the superintendent of Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools back in January of 21. No, no. Instead, they re-upped his contract, thereby putting us in this very predicament where nobody really wanted him around anymore, but COVID. So let's make sure we don't, you know, have any kind of disruption because... COVID didn't cause any disruptions? Wait, what? What is the old Mark Twain expression? I believe it was first God made idiots for practice. And then he made school boards. How do you how do you embark upon this path? Seriously. How do you embark upon the path during the COVID disruptions when you're sending kids home? Not tracking them that's oh, by the way that's another thing um the local npr station in town and Doss helms did a story just uh four days ago and used to work for the charlotte observer as their education beat reporter and i i found i found her to be a straight shooter as a reporter i did um and anyway so uh when i was covering school board meetings and stuff as well she was always there too and then when she uh wasn't there they brought ernest winston in so I should ask Ann if she's going to be a superintendent soon. Is that the career path? See, I should have stayed on the beat, and I could, have, I too could have been a golden parachuting superintendent. Um, anyway, she just did a story about how uh, they're not tracking any of the truancy stuff. Because that's supposed to be at the school level. Apparently, uh, uh, school board member Sean Strain uh, was asking, hey, what's going on? Because, you know, after 10 unexcused absences, 
if it's determined that the parents have not made a good faith effort to comply with the law, then the student services department staff contacts the Char- uh, the CMS police. The CMS has its own police. And then those folks go and get a criminal summons from the Mecklenburg County Magistrate. And then in an email exchange that Ann Helms reported on, uh, Winston says, this means that there's no clear way to determine how many six and 10 day letters have actually been sent because the principals are supposed to be doing this or something. The principals have to send the letters after the sixth absence and again after the 10th, warning the parents that we could prosecute you for not sending your kid to school. What do I always say? Government is force, right? Schools are also expected to work with families, she writes, to identify the reason for the absences and then help get the kids back on track. So apparently, like this, this has all of the outward appearances of not tracking the kids that are truant. Winston said in this email exchange that the county courts are currently not taking truancy cases due to a case backlog created by the pandemic. As a result, this school year, there have been no criminal complaints filed. And Strain said that I, uh, and I tend to agree with him, that he said, I don't think that that relieves the school district of its obligation under state law. Just because the courts aren't hearing the cases doesn't mean the school district gets to ignore it. Here's an idea. Brett Jensen said that they probably can't fire Winston for cause. How about we fire the school board for cause? How about that? For for hiring this guy in the first place and then extending his contract because we didn't want to disrupt things during COVID, which was a time of no disruptions or something. It's just, okay. News is next. Next.